I don't think it's anything controversial to call Franz Fanon's 1956 essay, Racism and Culture, his very most important essay. To be sure, there are debates about which book, The Wretched of the Earth or Black Skin, White Masks, might be his most important, but I think the Racism and Culture essay is a piece that most folks agree is his most important and his most impactful. It was delivered at the 1956 Paris Congress uh, for Black Writers and Artists, an incredibly important gathering where a number of essays uh, we're reading in this class were first written and presented. The 56th Congress came on the heels of the 1955 Bandung Conference, and the Bandung Conference, as we discussed in class, was a gathering of colonized uh, or, you know, currently engaged in independent struggle uh, nations, of, you know, uh, artists and political organizers from various uh, colonized nations in the global south to talk about the conditions for political solidarity. It's an incredibly important and interesting Congress, and what came out of it uh, was a, a, the beginnings, I think, of a real robust language of the global south and uh, mobilizations around resistance and anti-colonial struggle. What came of that is, is of course, uh, a complex part of history. But 1956 is a follow-up to that, where really the political questions of Bandung, which were about the global south broadly, become a racial, cultural question in 1956, the gathering of black, not global south and colonized, but black writers and artists. And the question that really animates the Congress is the question of what we would now call diaspora. How is it possible or is it possible to make connections across the Black Atlantic world to talk about a shared sense of identity, whatever the differences between, you know, different parts of Africa, different parts of the Caribbean, African America, um, Black Latin America, Black Europe, across all of these cultural differences, was is there some sort of unity that could be articulated? In the next piece, uh, I'll talk about uh, M. A. Césaire's essay from that same Congress, uh, Culture and Colonization, which makes an argument for that relationship, uh, that diasporic relationship, and what comprises that sense of unity. But what I find interesting about Fanon's uh, contribution here, and it's something uh, that it makes it a very different piece than so many pieces in the Paris Congress, is that he's not really concerned with what connects or what makes diasporic identity possible. That was, I think, something he repudiated in West Indians and Africans, to really talk about the emptiness of this signifier, quote, Negro or Black, right? That the, the racial category for Fanon and, and West Indians and Africans uh, barely does anything in terms of explanatory power or its capacity to, to illuminate parts of our world. Rather, the point of that essay is that the difference between West Indians and Africans is vast and massive, and really what they share is simply the fact of colonization. That fact of colonization and what it means is a topic Césaire picks up, so we'll have a chance to revisit that. 
But in the racism and culture essay that he, uh, that Fanon uh, contributed to the Paris Congress in 56, he's much more concerned with uh, what I call, and this is following uh, French Marxist uh, Louis Althusser's formulation, the reproduction of society. In particular, because this is Fanon's question, uh, as a black writer at a congress of black writers and artists, thinking about the effects and meanings of colonialism, it's a reproduction of an anti-black society, what we would call an anti-black society. What he would call, I think, just simply um, uh, colonized society. And that colonial society has to reproduce itself in terms of its anti-blackness, because otherwise, without that anti-blackness, there is no basis or root for uh, colonization and for colonial relations that's constitutive of colonialism, right? Anti-blackness, the belief in the inferiority and natural uh, subordinate status or subaltern status of uh, black colonized people. And what Fanon is really trying to say in this piece, it's not that complicated. Although I think he gives a lot of embellishments and details that are really uh, helpful. What he's really trying to say here is that the way a society reproduces itself is through culture. And it does so because there is no separation between culture and race or racism. In an anti-black society, it doesn't simply have sort of formal or abstract anti-black politics. Rather, culture itself is inseparable from racism, is inseparable from anti-blackness. And for that reason, Fanon, and I think this is him at his most pessimistic, you can't actually maintain or carry over or conserve any elements of culture in an anti-black world because that culture is so structured by anti-blackness that there is no way to get outside of it inside the culture, any given culture. And that's why he says, um, and this is on page uh, 36 of the uh, Toward the African Revolution edition. He writes, and it's right in the middle of the page, this short paragraph, Racism is never a super-added element discovered by chance in the course of the investigation of the cultural data of a group. Right. This is very important. That racism, you don't you don't discover it as, as a sort of um, you know side bit, right, or or chance element of of, of as what he calls the cultural data of a group. Right. When you study a culture, you can't find racism as just this chance element. Right? Rather, he says, this is reading on, the social constellation, the cultural whole, are deeply modified by the existence of racism. Now, I think what this leaves open, just this passage left to itself, it leaves open this idea, that uh, uh, this distinction between culture, the culture he's talking about being white culture, that white culture is so deeply entangled with racism that you can't separate the two. Or he may be saying, right, this distinction between that and this other way of interpreting this, which is that interracial culture, right, a shared culture of, of black and white people is fundamentally anti-black and tied up with racism, 
right? It's not a chance element. It deeply modifies the culture, the existence of racism. And this is why he goes on, and this is on 37 towards the bottom of the page, the second to, uh, second to last full paragraph. He writes, racism bloats and disfigures the face of the culture that practices it. Literature, the plastic arts, songs for shop girls, proverbs, habits, patterns, whether they set out to attack it or to vulgarize it, restore racism. Restore racism there, I think, is where he's talking about what I'm calling, that's his word for what I'm calling a reproduction of society. That restoration of racism comes through literature, the arts, popular songs, little habits and, and, and sayings. This means, so he's going on, this means that a social group, a country, a civilization cannot be unconsciously racist. So what he means there by saying not unconsciously racist, he means not animated by something that's imperceivable. Rather, but he's also not saying that uh, it's conscious racism that people are intending racism as a sort of act of the will. Rather, what he's saying when he says that uh, a civilization cannot be unconsciously racist is that racism is entwined in our everyday sayings and our everyday uh, uh, pleasures and literatures and um, arts. And in that way, it's important to understand what it would mean to liberate a society, right? what it would, would mean to transform a society. In order to transform a society, you have to change it at the cultural level. And what he means by the cultural level is all of these things in that list. Literature, the plastic arts, he says songs for shop girls, this meaning popular song, proverbs, habits, and patterns, right? That conservatives, in the technical sense, right? But people live this, right? This is actually what conservatives actually want from the world, is to maintain those cultural um, elements and keep them in relation to each other in precisely the way they always have in order to reproduce the society that we already know. And we've seen this again and again in, in what get called in the United States culture wars. Uh, and I never really liked that, that phrase because um, I think in, it's become strangely too popular. We don't really think about how it is a war, right? It is a war where people die and people live and worlds are, are, are snuffed out or are created. But it is a culture war that is not just simply, also I think when we call it a culture war, people act like it's outside politics, right? Or somehow diminished as a form of politics. Fanon is saying the opposite here. He's saying that for all of the, you know, he says, you know, firstly, you know, racism or anti-blackness is economic. He says that at a few different places in, in his work we've read in this course. But the, where it reproduces itself is not simply in economic relations, but at the cultural relation. And that's why cultures have to be changed. That's why the literature that children read have to be changed. The, the, the literature that we read as adults has to change. That our songs, our proverbs, our sayings, our habits, our art has to change. And if it changes, right, out of its sense of anti-blackness to become, you know, what maybe we want to call anti-racist or whatever the iteration of that is uh, these days. You know, every term like that 
every phrase like anti-racism starts out as a sort of radical intervention and then quickly becomes, um, I don't know, becomes uh, uh, used and abused or, or caricatured to the point where it becomes unuseful. But I think it's important to say that an anti-racist Right, or what we might even call, uh, might eventually arrive at pluralistic and, and diverse in the, the richest sense, literature, art, music, proverbs, habits. When, if we can envision that, we're envisioning a completely different culture. And if we envision a completely different culture, we envision a completely different society, not in the moment of that culture, but a society that can reproduce itself in that culture across time and across generation. This is why conservatives absolutely panic about schools. This is why they absolutely panic about popular music and popular media. Because if popular media, popular music, and the schools, what uh, Althusser, who I mentioned earlier, would call ideological state apparatuses, if those ideological apparatuses where ideas and visions of the world are embedded, if they change and if they become anti-racist or post-racist, right, and, and, and uh, diverse in the richest sense of the term, pluralistic in the, the broadest and deepest sense of the term, then our society will be unrecognizable from the one it is today. So it shouldn't be a surprise that when conservatives take on cultural issues in schools, they want things as they always have been. They don't want anything that exposes uh, pain that might produ uh, produce rage and resistance and revolutionary ideas. And they don't want to do that because they want to maintain the society that they know, the society that we know. And in that way, conservatives always have an advantage conservatives have an advantage because they don't propose anything unknown. Like what would it be like if our school curricula spent, you know, a proportional amount of time studying the history and culture of the United, of the white United States and white Europe, right? Proportional to the global uh, population, spent time on Africa, you know, various parts of Africa, of Asia, whether it's South Asia, East Asia, um, and Latin America and indigenous Americas, all of these ways of rethinking what we learn and how we learn and what we take away and the sounds we hear, right? The values that are transmitted. If they're genuinely broad and diverse and pluralistic in that way, I mean, if, if, you, if you actually contemplate that and sit with those ideas and that, that vision, you just see it as incompatible with the world we, as we know it. And I think that the fact that that seems so impossible, that we would construct entire education systems that decentered white Europe and white America, right, white United States in particular, the idea that, that we wouldn't center white people is so unbelievable, right? And so to propose a pluralistic approach to how we read and how we think and what we listen to is to propose something that upturns, uh, overturns and upsets the world as we know it. And in that way, again, conservatives have an advantage because all they're appealing to is what we've always known. And what we've always known will always be the shortest path and the easiest path.
However, um, I do think there's a really interesting part, and here is on again on page 37 of the Racism and Culture essay, where Fanon really cashes out his his claim that racism and culture are so intertwined that you can't produce anything in a racist culture that is in itself a reflection of racism. When he talks about um, Louis Armstrong and blues music. So he says, and this is right on the, in the middle of the page on 37, he says, thus the blues, so this is as he's sort of wrapping up, not wrapping up it, but, but playing out his, his idea that uh, the, in, in the cultural whole is, is decisively uh, modified by racism where he says, thus the blues, the black slave lament, that's a, that's a wild way for him to characterize blues, right? Thus the blues, the black slave lament, was offered up for the admiration of the oppressors. This modicum of stylized oppression is the exploiters and the racists rightful due. Without oppression and without racism, you have no blues. The end of racism would sound the knell of great Negro music. As the all-too-famous Toynbee might say, the blues are the slaves' response to the challenge of oppression. Still, today, for many men, even colored, Armstrong's music has a real meaning only in this perspective. So I think there we get Fanon's honesty, that he understands that if, or he's claiming that if racism and culture are, are inseparable, then even these aspects of, of black culture, right, blues being one of the signature features of black American culture, that it in the end is simply an offering up to the oppressor, right? And in that way, uh, just acting out the racist, uh, the racist identity, the identity uh, that the racist projects through the white gaze on black people. This goes really in the face of most of what's been said about things like blues and jazz music, especially early jazz music that he has in mind here. Which is to say, it goes against the claims that blues and jazz music reflect African-American ingenuity in terms of the capacity to both make worlds, right? That blues music is not simply a song made on a record that people listen to alone, right? But is an expression of an experience that's shared by a community, right? Across, you know, enormous swaths of geography, um, that they share this experience and that hearing this shared experience in sung and played in a very sp specific way that's distinctively African-American, right? Creates worlds of, of pleasure and joy and connection, right? Tears, laughter, everything in between. And if the blues is part of world making in a world, in a, in, a, in a culture that doesn't want black people in the world, that's what anti-blackness means. That's what the zone of non-being means. If, the zone, if, if it's a world that wants black people in the zone of non-being, yet black people are making worlds, then that making of a world in music and the way that, that, that world becomes a tradition, a tradition with people pushing back, right? And, and, and innovating and transforming and modifying. That's what a musical tradition is. That, that sense of a tradition and a world, the fact that it exists, 
is absolutely a form of resistance. It's a form of resistance to non-being by saying, if you don't want us in an interracial world, we make our own world. And music is one of the signature features of any world making. Fanon himself says that when he says songs for shop girls, right? So in that way, I would want us to at least think about ways that one might push back against this claim of Fanon's. Right? That when he absorbs everything into racism and culture, he hasn't made space for a black culture that stands outside interracial worlds. Because those interracial worlds, I think he's right in terms of, of those interracial worlds where anti-black racism is a, a foundation piece. When anti-black racism is a foundation piece, that consigns black people to the zone of non-being. Period. I think he, that that's a provocative claim, and I think there's plenty of reason to actually um, argue that, believe that, right? understand that, and, and embrace it as an insight. But what happens when you refuse the interracial world to create a racially specific world, which something like blues is really at the heart of, that is saying that we are not content with right we're not resigned to either the zone of non-being or living with the inferiority complex we also have this other sense of creating a world outside of that interracial world outside of that consignment to the zone of non-being and inferiority and if that world is created then it is in some ways a separate culture a culture that is not subordinate to the white gaze, not subordinate to white people's idea of, of what black people's place in an interracial world might be. Fanon clearly arguing something very different, a more comprehensive uh, pessimism, we might say. It's a more comprehensive pessimism because it's saying that we actually can't get outside of this if we haven't completely and totally transformed the world. And that every you know musical expression and literary expression is tainted by that. I think the pushback against that is extremely important. But what it means to exit, so getting back to Fanon's own thought, and I'll conclude here as he does with the essay, he tries to give us, I think, not an answer, but a but a but draw a little path to what he actually imagines uh, the break from this uh, uh, ra entwinement of racism and culture, what it might look like. When he says, uh, this is on page 44 at the very, very end of the essay, he says, the end of race prejudice begins with a sudden incomprehension. And that sudden incomprehension is this moment, and it's such an interesting one for me and Fanon. It was in the conclusion of Black Skin, White Masks as well. This sense that at some point, everything becomes incomprehensible and the world will be massively different so in one twist in one turn so that sudden incomprehension to me is super interesting and important he also says the occupants spasmed and rigid culture now liberated opens at last to the culture of people who have really become brothers two cultures can affront each other enrich each other in conclusion universality resides in this decision to recognize and accept the reciprocal relativism of different cultures once the colonial status is irreversibly excluded. So there he's like, you know, there's a sudden incomprehension. Racism doesn't make sense. And out of that moment when racism ceases to structure the world, 
then he says only on those only under those conditions is it possible for there to be cultural exchange cultural exchange as he said where the cultures enrich each other right or what he calls the reciprocal relativism of different cultures, which is not a broad moral argument about all values are relative, but rather this idea that cultures stand in a horizontal rather than vertical relation. I think that's interesting just as a vision of the goal of Fanon's work, right, is to arrive at this moment of reciprocity, of this possibility of mutual enrichment. But that means colonial status, right, anti-black racism as we've been calling it, has to be irreversibly excluded. It can't hang around as, as, a, as a ghost, right? We actually have to, in that moment of sudden incomprehension, forget what we knew for centuries, forget what structured our society for centuries. And only in that moment of a complete break for the past is anything like black liberation possible and anything like cultural exchange outside of racial subjugation possible. <laughs>